Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Staking Mondays. My name is Ken. I'm here with the co-founder of Staking Rewards, Merkel Schmiedel. And today we have with us Kieran Work, the co-founder of Alluvium. Alluvium is an open-world fantasy battle game built on the Ethereum blockchain, and Staking V2 Rewards will begin in three days. So let's jump right into some lightning round questions right here with Kieran. Uh, so Kieran, please answer these as short as possible. What was your first investment outside of BTC and Ethereum? Uh, economy, it was. Okay. All right, cool, cool. And what, what do you think is currently the most underrated project in crypto? Eighth Lizards. Oh. Eight Legends, nice. No, Eighth, eighth Lizards. Wizards. Ah, Eighth <laughs> Lizards, a big fan. Uh, we know that by your Twitter profile. Uh, <laughs> and which project uh, most inspired the launch of Alluvium? Axie Infinity. And who's your personal crypto hero? Like who inspired you a lot? Kane Warwick. Okay. And name the percent of your portfolio that's currently staked. 96%, I'd say. Strong number. And what's an activity you do to relax from the white crypto markets? <laughs> I, 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 to be honest, I don't really, but uh, I guess walking my dog would be the, the most relaxing thing that I do. Pretty cool. Yeah, um, can feel that. And um, guys, stay excited for today's episode. We're going to talk about staking in the metaverse, play to earn gaming and uh, Illuvium's big vision. So stay with us. Um, if you have any questions, just drop them in the chat. We'll ask them at the end of the show. And the sponsor for today's episode is Lido Finance. Lido is the market-leading liquid staking solution. Uh, with Lido, you can stake Ethereum, Solana, and Terra while keeping full liquidity via staking derivatives. And these staking derivatives you use in multiple DeFi applications to generate additional yield. So be sure to check out Lido Finance, guys. All right, Kieran, uh, let's hop right into it. Mirko, take it away with these uh, long-form questions. Awesome. So, Kieran, like in, in terms of adoption and mindshare, like where do we stand currently in the exploration of play to earn, like for the for the entire industry, kind of where where do you see um, where do we stand there? It's it's interesting, right? I mean, it's it's very fluid. It's 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 moving pretty rapidly. I think we've we've even, we've oh, God damn it. Sorry, guys. Um, just for context, the reason for that dog here. He just had an operation, so I don't know what he's barking at, but hopefully he stays calm. But uh, but yeah, so uh, it's it's moved to to more so play and earn because play to earn it's it's a very hard balancing act to to make it uh, to make it stable and 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 uh, you know we don't have many examples of it yet, and so. I think you play and play and earn is is great, but when people are expecting to to play a game and and actually make a gain on that, that's when I think you're you're going to get the the issue because it should, in my honest opinion, it should be more about the ownership of those assets, and so so. If I go in and play a game, I'm I'm still playing the game for the enjoyment. It's purely uh, the 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 benefit of of it being an NFT is that I can then go and sell that asset. And so, if I sell that asset and I don't necessarily make back make back 
what I put into the game, I'm still not, I, I'm, I'm not, you know, up in arms and saying this is terrible and I'm dumping my bags because I, I, I got some value out of the, the playtime. You know, the entertainment is is what I'm really looking for. The the ability to to sell my assets potentially when I leave the ecosystem or whatever is is the the benefit, the big benefit I see to uh, to to playing and, and earning. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's interesting to see how this will evolve over time. Uh, but talking about Alluvium specifically here, so exciting news: staking is going to be reactivated here in three days. Uh, so fees earned by the protocol increase by the more people that play and uh, play the game, right? And then those are being redistributed to the stakers. Uh, so what is the long-term vision for staking? Do you have any other models or mechanisms in mind? So, yeah. So as as you just mentioned, I guess the, the most interesting thing about our staking is, you know, we, we have high APYs. We've got, you know, a, a SLP pool which is, is available to, to people. And, and you know, we've, we're set to give out 3 million ILV in rewards. And that's amazing. It's, it's really bootstrapped our liquidity. And you know, I think people are super excited about that. But the thing that I'm most excited about and the thing that is more unique to, to our protocol is that staking actually unlocks revenue distributions. And so the... The unique thing is that we're all of the in-game fees that we have, and and there's a there's a ton of them through throughout the the ecosystem. All of it goes into a vault, and then the vault will trigger and purchase ILV off the market, and then distribute that ILV back to stakers. And so you get this nice pressure on upwards pressure on the the token, and People are happy because they're getting these rewards. And what we're ideally looking to happen is people compound those rewards, right? And and it's certainly possible, you know, that they're unlocked. They can they can uh, sell those rewards if they want. But ideally, after a certain amount of time, you're kind of going, okay, well, I've, I'm receiving so much revenue here. I don't want to sell it because then I lose how much I can actually. I, I receive my proportionately based on how much I, I have staked. And so it kind of, it's designed to disincentivize you to, to leave basically. Okay. Pretty cool. yeah, yeah. So like, yeah. Like, do you see that like in, in general, like um, if you think about the staking, that like the role that staking could play in the general, like play to earn or play and earn industry, um, and then also like for the for the user experience in Illuvian, like is, is that the main thing that it helps or like that really helps people to stay with the game because they, they can really be part of it, get ownership and then unlock like the extra revenue from it. And like where, where do you see that developing in, in like the entire industry kind of? I, I think it, you know, I, I think it will. We, our in-game rewards that, that we've set apart uh, a million ILV, right? And so that is not a, a, a insignificant amount of, of money. And the reason we don't really talk about that all the time is because we feel like that's not going to attract the type of player that we want to. And so I, I love the concept of play to earn. And I think it has the ability to, 
to, to grow into a sustainable thing. But the models that are out there live right now have, have shown that there's, there's potential issues with balancing the, the economy when you're issuing rewards, you know, in the, in the way that some of these games are. And so I guess it's super early days. So I, I don't want to say that it's entirely not sustainable or, or anything like that, but we're certainly seeing, you know, quite a few bumps uh, along the way. Yeah, and I'm sure with with any new type of technology, there's going to be uh, bumps in the user experience as it gets developed and uh, the process becomes smoother. Um, so with that in mind, where do you think the future of play to earn is? Uh, where is this industry heading towards and what use cases do you find most promising? Also, what would be the ideal type of player that you're looking to attract to Alluvium? Yeah, basically ex exactly what I'd just described we're, we're looking for players that uh, are looking for entertainment value first with the ancillary uh, the ancillary benefit of that being the fact that you actually own these assets and so you know jumping in and and being able to to collect a whole bunch of characters and be early and then be being able to sell them is is super super exciting but at the end of the day, we're building a, a, a really complex game that is meant to be addictive. It's meant to have super amounts of replayability. It's meant to be, you know, competitive. And so we're really going for the down the route of, of entertainment and fun first. And I think that's where the play to earn space is going to go eventually. You know, we're... we're we're, we're very, very early and we're seeing the use of the reward factor as the number one thing. And I honestly just don't think that that's sustainable over, over time. But again, it's super, super early. So, so maybe I'm wrong. And that's why we're focusing on what we know works, which is building that, that entertainment powerhouse of a, of a game and really getting people immersed in, in, in playing and, and having fun and telling their friends, you know, join this game. And then, you know, as you know, a, a side benefit to that, being able to actually earn in it is, is fun as well. So how, how do you actually like incentivize people to like, to, to come for the enjoyment instead of like coming for, for the earn? Like what's the, what's the strategy there? Because like that, there could be a world where like people just like playing the game, as you mentioned, just to like, yeah, basically do it full time and earn their money on it. Um, but obviously you, you want to attract like the, the other type. So, so what's the way to like um, incentivize well, and disincentivize like the, the wrong behavior as well? I mean, you kind of, you can't really stop it. If you're, if you're making it available, you can't really stop it. You just got to have, uh how do you how do you attract a good balance i would say which which i think is is going to be important right now we predominantly the the actual gamers playing these games are predominantly in third world countries where earning 25 bucks a day is magnificent you know that's that's but in a, a first world country it's it's not enough to pay rent it's not enough to survive and so Right now, given that we don't have, in my opinion, we don't have any games on the blockchain that that are 
super fun and immersive and addictive. And that's why you're seeing the, you know, the, the people that typically are your esports pros and whatever, they're just, there's just nothing to come across to. So the first thing you need to do is create a title that, that looks appealing to these mainstream gamers. And I just don't think anyone has done that yet because we are so early, you know, it takes a long time to, to build these games, to, to, to build a, a, a really, really decent game. And, uh, and so I think, yeah, we, we will get to it, but yeah, it's, uh, it's just so, so early that we're just seeing one set of players and I want to see a balance of both. And then we have the ability where if I come into it and I'm okay with spending five grand and I'm only pulling out two and a half grand, if that two and a half grand goes to the play to earn type of player that's really looking to just make money out of the game, doesn't really care about the, the funness of it, then that's okay. But if you don't have that player who's willing to go into the system and not recuperate all their money, then there's no, you know, then there's no ability. Everyone is, you, you, you're creating a, a scheme where you have to dump on the next person, the next person. And if someone's not okay with that dump because they've got their value elsewhere, i.e. in the fun that they've had playing the game for the last two years, then you're going to get a pretty unhappy person, which is kind of what you're seeing when these games start selling off. People are like, hey, you know, I'm only here for money. Where You can't not allow me to make my money now. And it's like, well, actually, we we're trying to build a game that you were just going to have fun. And, that, you know, so I guess it, it always starts with it needs to be fun first. So do you actually have different strategies there for different jurisdictions or like, I mean, there's, I'm, I'm not sure, like, um, maybe you can elaborate on, like, the, the legal or, like, regulatory hurdles as well. Do you, do you have any? Do you face any in the different jurisdictions? And is it, like, is it really able to, like, provide the, the same experience globally? Because, like, we, we can already see that there are so many nuances, even in terms of the user experience, like, how much mm -hmm. you can earn and how much is that worth to you yourself and so on. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that in general? Yeah. So regulation is always a, a tricky one to, uh, to answer. So we went Dow first, which obviously being Dow first means that we're fully decentralized and have been from the start, literally from, you know, prior to, to our TGE. And so it's, it's kind of interesting. And there's a couple of components of our game where it touches on like that gray area, like that real, real gray area in things like in-game wagering on battles and things like that. Like that's where it starts to get a little bit hairy. But we are, you know, we from the very beginning, we've been working with a, a strong uh, legal team that is speaking directly to the 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 people that are making the the laws basically in in australia and that's kind of all we can do you know you can't really get advice from every single jurisdiction and and all of that you've just got to you know we're we're kind of based i guess some of us are you know loosely in australia and so it makes sense to get advice from australia and they're saying look you're two three years away from us being able to tell you what to do so 
even if we did say and do something, go, you know, change the game based on these potential regulations coming in, they that, that we might not be giving you the right advice. So we like our advice to you is, you know, be aware of it, but you're kind of in this zone where you just do what you think is right. And when the regulations come in, depending on which jurisdiction and whatever, we'll just apply them as we go. Yeah, that's kind of interesting. You said that you're you're in this zone where you're just doing what you think is right. Does that kind of give you like a paralysis in terms of innovation? Um, or does it make you more like a, you know, wild west? You want to just shoot the gun and, and go with, you know, the gambling on the, the battles and, and deal with the repercussions later, you know? So we've got three founders basically in the or co-founders in the, the the business and we're all brothers and we all have different risk appetites i'm on one end of the spectrum where i'm like just you know i i don't even know if we would have i mean we probably would have seek some some legal advice but i i'm the cowboy over here and then we've got aaron who is super conservative over here and so we've we've got a bit of a mix but I mean, we're, we're, we've truly, you know, we've invested a lot of money into this legal advice and the honest suggestions right now that we're getting are just do whatever you think is, is right. You know, we're not, we're not doing anything purposefully wrong. You know, if, if it came out that regulations were saying that, you know, you can't do X, Y, Z, we'll obviously change them. We're not, we're not trying, we're, we're just out here trying to build a fun game and uh and a sustainable studio in the long term so we're happy to adhere to anything but the reality is they just don't exist right now yeah well more more power to you for building in this environment and hopefully these regulations can square away in the next uh, few months or a few years here um so getting back into like mainstream adoption so how do you think play to earn, earn style games will reach the mainstream will we eventually see these type of games integrated with the likes of major gaming consoles like playstation and xbox and is that ultimately how you'll find the type of user you you actually want i i think ultimately they will have to move to to uh if if not completely they they're gonna have to start to to move to web3 gaming it's it's now proven in in the past 12 months it's shown how powerful it is and it's not going away. And, you know, 12 months ago, there were probably two or three teams building. Now there are hundreds of teams that, that are building. And so after a while, you get enough players. And, and this is where I'm, I'm saying, we, we, I don't even believe that we've started poaching a single player from these AAA games yet. That's the, the, the craziest thing. Now we have what, what what we're doing here, or, or what Axie and Pegasi and and Fancy Birds and all the other games are doing right now, is they're creating new gamers. They're turning a construction worker in the Philippines into a full time gamer, and so we haven't even hurt the mainstream gamers yet. Like until someone builds a game that's equivalent to Fortnite or equivalent to COD or equivalent to Battlefield or whatever it is. They're not gonna. Their customers aren't gonna start coming across. But you got to remember, we're talking about giant, giant companies here. 
that have been in this game for a long, long, long time. And if their customers start coming to games like Alluvium and, you know, the, the other AAAs that, that are building, that's when you grab their attention. Because right now they don't care. And if you start taking their customers in the millions because Riot all of a sudden is looking and they're like, okay, well, their, TF, their, their, their auto battler is better than ours and it allows people to earn and they're able to sell their assets. Like that's just way too good of a scenario for the auto battler player. In that situation, we're going to start taking their customers. Now, how long does that go on before they go, shit, okay, maybe we should start developing a Web3 style game with NFTs and whatever. And so the reality is mainstream adoption comes from us taking market share. And it just hasn't even begun yet. It it almost reminds me like the comparison between uh, gasoline cars versus electric cars the infrastructure is already there for the gasoline cars. They want to milk that as long as they can before they let this new innovation of electricity come mm-hmm. and ruin, uh, you know, everything they have set up. So there's a downstream effect here. It, you know, mm-hmm. these are corporations with millions, if not billions and multiple billions of dollars behind them. So you sort of got to let yeah. this play out. Um, so in regards to Alluvium specifically, what's your plan right now? If, if I had to squeeze you, what's your plan to attract the next 100,000 players into Alluvium? So we're going to do things, we're, we're going to go heavy in esports. So our game is super competitive. I don't know if you you just saw, but I, I actually bet Grant, my the, the art director, my co-founder brother, a uh, million dollars in, in ILV in a, in a battle that, that we had the other day. And so that, that sort of showed me like that's a mode where it's not meant to be PV- it isn't pvp like we just turned it into pvp by saying hey you play while i while i play and the one who can last the longest in our survival mode wins this prize right and it immediately garnered a huge amount of attention and whatever and obviously ridiculous prize pools like that and bets are gonna garner that sort of attention anyway but what it really showed to me is is there enough, like, is the game competitive enough where I want to be better than the other person or more skillful? And the answer is like overwhelmingly yes, right? Like we've both been playing this game addicted since and, you know, we're, we're really going to tap into that with huge prize pools and, uh, and, and yeah, really get people competing and talking about it, which that's how you get the media buzz and, and, and we're also, you know, the, with having the ability to give tokens out, you can put on ridiculously large prize pools. And one of the things that we want to do is run the largest esports tournament ever. And so, you know, esports is one thing, but, you know, obviously a bunch of other ways like influences and, and stuff, but, but mainly esports. Awesome. Yeah, that uh, definitely sounds like a sound strategy. Um, and then, like, um, you, you were just talking about, like, the, the big opportunity there for, like, traditional companies to go into, like, the, the Web3 gaming kind of, or, like, play and earn gaming. Um, and then I was thinking about, like, Microsoft, they just acquired, like, Activision Blizzard. And um, what's your rationale on, on that? Like, because 
it happened just right after Facebook renamed to Meta, and it almost mm -hmm. seems like Microsoft kind of formats or like they, they want to do something. Like they see a huge opportunity in Web3, and now mm -hmm. they, they really want to um, get their share on that and maybe develop like the, the Blizzard games like World of Warcraft and so on into into a metaverse or into like a, a Web3 components. Like what, what's your take on that? Yeah, so I mean, the Blizzard guys know better than anyone, right? Like Ethereum was created based on Vitalik saying, fuck this, let me sell my World of Warcraft gold. Why can't I sell my gold? I've gone and grinded and grinded and grinded and earned it. And sorry for swearing, I, sh I definitely shouldn't do that. But I get so passionate about this because, you know, it's, it's a, it's, it's a huge, huge thing, right? Like that's, that's literally why Ethereum was, was created because these, these people want ownership. And I think, you know, Blizzard has been up against this for going on nearly two decades now where people have been meeting up on streets and stuff like that to, to, sell their assets just in the hope that they they know if i'm talking to you that's more secure but then you think about it you're like meeting these random people and it all goes away if you build a game on the blockchain and i i think that is what that is but again i i'm obviously it's it's just an assumption that that i'm making but i think it's backed with with quite a bit of weight now given the industry moves in, in general, like most large studios now are setting up a web three division where they're, they're either mapping it out, looking at it, trying to get educated on it, but there's, there's moves across all the big studios. So, um, so yeah, I, I think that is a, that is a web three play. Yeah. Awesome. That's, that's interesting. So um, like, Talking about the the metaverse there and like others building like their their own Web three games and so on, um, like obviously you can you can sell your assets um, in Illuvium and you have full ownership and everything. But could this also be potentially integrated with like another metaverse kind of or like another game? Like is the the back end of the game kind of um, like is it open? For, for others to like, for example, build like another interface and like, what's your take on that in general? Like to, to not just like bring something um, like to, to own your assets and sell them, but to make it entirely open for like different alternative interfaces or whatever. Yeah, look, uh, the, the Alluvium universe, which is what we call it, is going to be completely interoperable. So you'll be able to take, we, we, we really want to make that our long-term narrative where you can take an alluvial and you can put it into this mini car racing game. And all of a sudden, instead of a Mario character, you've got an alluvial that's driving your, your little buggy or, or whatever it is. And then, you know, you can take that alluvial and you can put it into the next game that we have. And, and I guess that's, we always talk about not giving any early bonuses or anything like that. The, the alpha that I guess I'm, I'm, I'm giving you guys is, is that being capturing alluvials is 
going to make you early for any new title that we bring out, right? Because we want all of the assets to be interoperable. Outside of that, it's serious. Unless you're literally building a metaverse or, or, or a, I say metaverse, unless you're building a project that can, that, that is made to be this like open source, Thing where you're saying these are the exact requirements you need to bring an asset into our game, which, to be honest, makes it like it, it, it reduces the ability to go hard on things like graphics and and like backstory and things like that. And and you're still going to run into so many different challenges with like balancing stats and things like that. That I almost think it's 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 uh it, we shouldn't be talking about interoperable assets between different games just because it was so far off it i think having the, the having them as uh, having the the assets as nfts it gives us the option but it's a there's so much more that goes into it i think we should just you know stick to to at least building inside of our own ecosystems interoperable assets and then, you know, maybe in 10 plus years, we start, you know, teaming up and you can bring an alluvial into, you know, the next fortnight or whatever. I don't know. That's uh, that's some good little hidden alpha there. Uh, hold the alluvial. And uh, you never know the next game down the line that comes out, there might be some more use case for it. So that's awesome to hear, Kieran. Mm -hmm. um, so talking about this competition, uh, the competition or the major dev studios, I don't know if you consider them competition. Uh, but are you worried about these bigger players, these more legacy dev studios entering into uh, play to earn space and eating some of your market share that you currently have carved out? Or would you see this as more you could become an acquisition target at that point and they could help you build and achieve the vision that you guys have? Absolutely not. I am welcoming as much competition as possible. I've, I've What I've realized now in this journey is that we're probably in not year zero like year negative two or something like that like it's it's ridiculous and so you know we're we're sitting here and, and you know we, we've been pushing this narrative of triple a for like 18 months now and i think now people are actually getting what what i was putting down like this is it takes a, a long long time to build a triple a and we've done it in a ridiculous like record time right like we're, we're so close to to shipping our private beta now and you know i'm playing this game and it's as good as any other auto battler that i've ever played and so for us no i'm, I'm i mean firstly i love competition just personally but secondly it's going to help us build the narrative I, I i sat here saying you know the keep on asking questions that are sort of probing about when the the competition is going to come. And I keep saying like, it will, it will only come when we start seeing major moves. And, you know, once there's one AAA, then there'll be 10, then there'll be 50. And that's at the point where I think we're going to hit true mainstream adoption. I don't even think, even if Alluvium's out and we're the only AAA game for, say, two years that that is, and I don't think that's going to be the case, but let's just say it was, that's not good. People aren't going to go, hey, I like auto battlers all of a sudden. 
they're just going to go, well, no, I, I like first-person shooters, so I'm just going to stick with the games in the mainstream right now because Alluvium isn't a first-person shooter. So, no, like I, I want as much competition here as possible because I think that's the only way that we truly hit mainstream adoption. That's a that's a great take. Yeah, where like any competitor basically just makes the the pie larger than it has been before. Um, so yeah, I I can definitely see that. And like esports e and like gaming, like it's an industry that's growing massively anyway, and um, that seems like accelerated by Web three opportunities. Um, it's definitely a, a huge opportunity, I think. So um, talking like about the like um, the Illuvium holders, like. Um, and in terms of governance, like, do they, um, like, do you have like a, a governance component as well that allows users to, to like decide on the outcome, like how the games will be, uh, structured and what will be featured and so on, or is it primarily around the economy? Like, what's your, what's your take on, on governance? And I would also be very interested from the community here, guys, um, if, if you are, Like planning to stake IOV in the in the next three days, like send some some plus in the channel here. It would be great to, to get some sentiment from you. Um and see like who's excited about the staking here. And um also, yeah, I'm 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 really excited about it and I'm also looking forward on, on your take on the governance, uh Kieran. And um like where where do you see the advantages and, and disadvantages of like uh, or like how far do you plan to to take the governance kind of there? Yeah, so it's it's an interesting one. We again we we decided to to go DAO first, which which truly means that we've given we've handed governance over to the community. And it's been like that before we even had a proper token. We were we were we had a governance model with our pre-ILV token. And so again, it's we're learning every single day. Like it, it's, a, it's a, a, a governance is extremely fluid. We we're learning from other protocols. We have a, a five person council uh, that, that governs Alluvium. We have three month uh, epochs and we generally try and get a, a, a nice mix of, community members like like og community members uh or, or moderators or whatever that that are really really in tune with what the community wants then we try and bring in like a a, a couple of vcs or one vc and then we always try and have uh, a team member as well just so we have this diverse mix because what we're building is obviously it's not a small project and so It's interesting you kind of touched on that did is it like scary or anything yeah like it's it's pretty scary you know running a, a a large studio like this with 200 people and theoretically we make this joke all the time if the the community decided that hey we want to pivot and build a dating simulator then we've got to do it that's that's what you you guys have invested they, they've invested in ilv And with that comes the voting rights. And with that, you know, we're, we're the people who, who have to implement, you know, whatever the, the community and, and governance decides. So it's really fun. It's another way that we show people that we're 
open, we're transparent, we're, you know, we're everything that you've ever wanted in a game, like the ability to, to suggest things that can actually get implemented five days later is pretty insane. And, uh, and so, yeah, it's, but it, we, our game hasn't even launched. So I don't know, like, again, there's, there's still so many uh, potential variables that it's, it's an ongoing thing. Yeah. And that's, that's really uh, encouraging to hear that you, you take into account uh, the community feedback and have one of the community OG members on the board of the uh, DAO there, the governance council. So that's, that's awesome. And for all the guys uh, and, and girls watching in the chat here, if you guys can just get your comments and questions in for Kieran, we're almost to that section of the uh, stream here. So make sure to enter your questions in the comment section. And Kieran, so give me the, like the ultimate vision for Alluvium and where do you see the game and protocol five to 10 years from now? So put your um, prediction hat on here. So we are going to build the studio up to, in, in five years time, I would say we'd, we'll have about between 1,000 and 2,000 core contributors in the studio, which is about where you need to be to be one of those top five juggernauts. I would like to see us in five years' time become the number one studio in the world. And, you know, that's playing with the likes of, of uh, Ubisoft and, and Microsoft, as we mentioned, and Sony and, and all those guys. And I think we have the ability to do it because not only do we have an elite team and, and that's only going to get better and bigger and bigger, but we have this early mover advantage where we've seen everything happen from the ground up. And so we've got the insights and the knowledge and we know we, and the understanding of the, the DeFi side of it, which, which brings in the five of the game five. And that is going to be so advantageous to us once the, the big competitors do start coming in here because they're kind of going to come and say, hey, we know the game side of it, but we don't really know the finance side of it. And, uh, and I think, you know, five, ten years, ideally we have three or four titles that, that are live by then. We've got tens of millions of, of players and we've built uh, an extremely balanced and sustainable economy. I, I see that that happening. Yeah, and we're definitely rooting for you as well to have that achieved. And uh, we're going to be lucky to have this interview and look back five years from now <laughs> once all that's achieved. Um, so let's focus in more on the coming months. So can you give us some key points on the roadmap over the next three to six months? Yeah. So uh, as I mentioned, we have private beta. That's uh, that's the final, final polishes are, are being put on that now. Grant and I demonstrated what the game looks like on uh, on the weekend. You know, we're, we're, it could easily be shipped now, but we're, we're just putting the final, final touches on that. So that, I would say, with quite certainty, I, I would be expecting that next month. Same thing with the land sale. That'll be next month. And, uh, and then following that, it'll be open beta, which is literally where we're saying everyone can get their hands on Alluvium and, uh, and you can start playing the game, you can start earning. That will mean that uh, Alluvium Zero is out as well, which is like our, our mini game, which is connected to our land sale. 
So there's a there's so much stuff in the next three to six months. Like it, it feels like everything is launching in the next three to six months, which it is. So uh, yeah, hopefully we can we can just uh, stick to to that roadmap. Super exciting, and then obviously like the staking going live in three days here. So um, like, what can like how, how does this new model look like in detail? Maybe you can elaborate a little bit more, and like how is it going to change the dynamics and um, Like also, um, yeah, what, what kind of alpha is there for anyone playing the game or being involved with Illuvium for, for staking IOB? Yeah, so if, if you haven't started staking, the, the V1 staking system, it, it just needed a whole bunch of upgrades. It was, I mean, doing anything on L1 is challenging due to, to gas costs, but for there was a whole bunch of issues with with the contracts and whatever and and this is where you know you you learn from it and uh and basically we needed to optimize the the amount of gas that was it that it was costing people to claim rewards and and start vesting them and uh and so the by far and large the the biggest improvement is the gas optimizations but you'll see a, a brand new ui which has an awesome layout which like shows you which epoch we're up to how many more ilv are set to be distributed um and a, and a whole bunch of other uh user interface stuff which which is really cool the other thing that is potentially being passed i guess you could class this as as alpha one of our og holders uh synthaman he's just put through a, a proposal, uh, IIP, which is an Alluvium improvement proposal, to list in our flash pools for staking, which haven't been on for like, we, we stopped them like three months prior to even the, the exploit and whatever. But these flash pools uh, are to give a little bit of yield to projects. It's like a marketing thing where we say hey if you have x token stake it here single-sided and you can earn a little bit of the the ilv rewards synthaman has put it through for us to launch apecoin which as you know is an extremely popular token right now it's kind of like right up our alley like the token holders are, are obviously huge nft buffs and and uh and so i'm hoping that we can get this thing approved really really quickly and load it up but uh but yeah that's that's potentially launching in the next you know week or so where you can stake your ape and earn ilv yeah that's really awesome we're gonna have to find a way to get that uh flash pool up on the alluvium staking rewards profile so we can show the yield there i'm sure we can uh, find yeah. a way to do that um okay so kieran let's wrap this long form question section up here do you have any other announcements you want to get off the chest right now anything else you want to talk about well i think we just touched on it the the land sale is the next big sort of sale event that's that's coming up and uh and yeah it, it will be uh sometime next month Awesome. Looking forward to that big time. Okay. So community questions, guys. So first up we have greedy hamster 86. 
Uh, do we have any flash pools planned now that V2 is up and running? And how far away is Alluvium's land sale? So I think we just answered both both of those. But if you want to reiterate. Yeah, so uh, potentially a new flash pool of uh, Ape Token, if we can get it approved, which I I think we can. Awesome. Pretty cool. And then we have uh, Tilula asking, like, how do you feel ANZ Bank in Australia releasing its stablecoin? And will that affect DAOs and Alluvium? I don't think, uh, yeah, I don't think it's going to have any effect on us at all. I, I don't think anything, that, I mean, Australia is a very, 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 we might be from Australia, but it's a, a, a tiny part of the market. That's actually interesting. How many um, uh, team members do you have right now? And like, where are they located? Are they just global? You guys are totally remote or? It's insane. I've, I've literally met 12 of our Alluvium core contributors and we have 200. Wow, it's massive. Yeah, so there's, I think there's a total of 15, I want to say, maybe 20 in Australia. Not much at all. Next question here from Willis HBK Ken. Uh, can you talk more about the open world game? Uh, example, traveling between places, capturing alluvials and earning while playing the game. Yeah, so I, I want to set the expectations for the, the open world. It's it is an open world and you can go around and, and you can do things like harvest different plants and stuff, which will allow you to craft weapons, which will make you stronger in the battles and, and stuff like that. But we're not talking about an open world like World of Warcraft. Not yet anyway, right? So a lot of people, they, they see open world and they think, oh my God, this is going to be, you know, some crazy world where you've got you know thousands of other players running around they're doing things you're trying to capture an alluvial and like we i that's where i would like it to go but in the the first version it's it's a simplistic overworld that that does have all of those elements like collecting and harvesting and and, and stuff like that but just wanted to sort of set the expectations there that makes sense. And then we have another question from Troy Ball. He's asking, aside from staking, are there any simple ways for a non-gamer like himself to earn additional ILV? Apart from staking and 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 not playing the game? Yeah, I guess apart from, from gaming. Uh, yeah. You can go into our Discord and win some free cosplay NFTs that we sometimes... Uh, that we we do uh, giveaways for that's pretty much it i think off the top of my head maybe i'm missing something really obvious here oh that, yeah that's cool so check out the discord there guys and maybe get some free ilv on one of the giveaways um how about from keith here we have uh where to buy an eth lizard <laughs> um i buy all of mine on open sea but they're universe marketplace actually they launched their beta recently and that team talking about like underrated crypto projects i would not sleep on that team the, the guy who started that started barnbridge and he's a little bit of a lunatic and he just builds and builds and builds i honestly think that they're going to turn universe into an awesome marketplace and so they that was actually where the first ETH Lizard was was uh, at the, the the first thing they sold was an ETH Lizard on Universe. So um, 
yeah, but OpenSea and, and, you know, all the other lovely marketplaces. Awesome. And then maybe we can just fit this last one in here from Hatchy. Uh, when are you going to focus on marketing before or after open beta? I don't like it when people ask that question because it's like, what do you think I've been doing? <laughs> the, but yeah, no, I mean, I, I guess I want to say that they're asking about mainstream marketing. And uh, if that is the case, it will be done uh, uh, a month or so out. We're, we're going to start ramping up. Uh, but again, it's tentative because we're very aware that it might be the case that our market is only the 300 million people that have crypto. If that's the case, we're still totally fine to live in that ecosystem for the next, you know, two, three years. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting one. Well, thank you very much, Kieran, for coming on today's episode and giving us uh, all these juicy insights. And I think we're all geared up, ready to go to stake ILV uh, once V2 opens up. And I wonder if you can just give us uh, a place where we can follow you and learn more about the stuff you're working on. Yep. Uh, you can follow me at, uh, I think my handle on Twitter is Kieran Warwick. Uh, pretty easy. And then, uh, but the best place to get alpha on alluvium is just in our discord it, i mean my brother he just he shares everything literally everything it's uh in the channel character leaks like just put a little notification bell on on that guy and every time that lights up check it out and you'll be able to see the progress of alluvium awesome we'll be sure to check that out in discord all right, and if you guys want to check out previous episodes of Staking Mondays, you can find them on YouTube and Spotify. We have episodes with the founders from Evmos, Phantom, Osmosis, Radix, and many, many more. Subscribe to our channel. Hit that notifications bell if you don't want to miss any new episodes. Leave some feedback in the comments and let us know who you'd like to see on the next episode of Staking Mondays. Thanks so much, Kieran. As always, happy staking, guys. Take care. Thanks, Thanks guys. guys.